You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. With me today, I have Megan France, like the country, senior producer of the Shorty Awards. How are you, Megan? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good here. It's finally starting to warm up. You're in New York. I'm in Connecticut. We both know it's like on the cusp of finally getting warm around here. And I'm very yeah. happy about that. I feel like people are unsure about the jacket situation. Like, do I wear one? Do I not? It's it's always that situation, though, in New England or in this area of the country. We're kind of like, oh, it's 70 degrees today. And then tomorrow it's snowing. So, I mean, <laughs> and that's not a joke. I mean, it's happened. So, um I want to talk about the Shorty Awards. A lot of people have asked. Um, last year, I had come down to the office. A lot of people were like, what's the Shorty Awards? I did some live broadcasts from there. And so I got a lot of questions. Now here's the podcast and here's a perfect opportunity to bring to them. What is the Shorty Awards? For most of the listeners on this podcast, they probably don't even know what it is. So why don't we start right there? What are the Shorty Awards? Yeah, I mean, in general speak, it's an award show that honors the best in social media. Uh, And we have two competitions currently, one that recognizes the best influencers and celebrities. Like this year, DJ Khaled was a big winner, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, And then we also have one that recognizes the best brands. So you said The Rock. Um, Did The Rock show up or no? He made a video. He was hosting the MTV Movie Awards the day before our show, so he could not make it, unfortunately. (laughs) That is so cool. All right. So social media Grammys kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Emmys, Grammys, any one of those award shows. Let's go. It's been it's eight years running now. Yep. We just finished our eighth season. So let's go back to year one. What was the whole concept behind it? What was the reasoning for wanting to do this? Like, was there this overwhelming need to do this? Yeah, well, it kind of has a funny history. So our two founders, Greg Gallant and Lee Semmel, they're two big tech guys and they were, you know, in the Twitter world back in 0708 when it first launched. And back then there wasn't really a discovery platform on Twitter. So you knew who your friends were on Twitter, but you didn't know if any actors were on Twitter or if any comedians were on Twitter or any people who were really great in the art world, there was no way to find people. So they thought that they could, Uh, build that type of platform under the guise of an award show being like use Twitter to tweet who your favorite people to follow are within specific subjects like art and journalism and comedy and stuff like that. And that idea of using Twitter of a kind of voting platform was very new. So it instantaneously went viral and uh, they launched it around Christmas time and it actually out-trended Christmas, which we're very proud of. Uh, (laughs) You know, people started to win these awards of like getting the most tweet nominations uh, and we're asking our two founders like, okay, so when's the award show? Like, when do I get to come pick up my award? And they were like, oh, so we have to make this a thing now. (laughs) So they had been working on a ton of projects at the time. They kind of dropped everything and produced an event in two months. Mm-hmm. MC Hammer showed up. Rick Sanchez of CNN was the host. And they got like a really huge turn. Wow. Gary Vaynerchuk was there as well. Uh, so yeah, that first year they were like, all right, so clearly people are excited about social media. There's definitely a need for this. Like, let's drop everything and really focus on it. Um, and the show has really evolved in the eight years, really because social media has evolved so much. So that first year it was more about the best of Twitter. Now we're honoring the best of every single social media platform. And every year it seems like we're finding new platforms to honor. You know, if you're using a 
few years ago, it was Vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we introduced a Snapchat category. This year, we introduced a Periscope and a YouNow category. So it's really exciting to be a part of the show because it's iterating and evolving as social media evolves. Yeah, I mean, so what the categories, right? These categories that you guys select from, and, and I'm looking at some of the categories like best web series, best overall Instagram presence, best in food, best in dance. Where do you guys come up with these categories to choose from? Because I mean, some would say, or not some would say, but like best celebrity, like really, do we need to have a best celebrity category? What's the reasoning behind some of the like best comedian was Kevin Hart this year. I know Jimmy Fallon was best celebrity. I think it's cool. But there's people that are like, well, do we really need another ceremony to honor these people that are already getting awards? Yeah, I mean, the really interesting thing is celebrities have been super excited about it, I think, because it's an award show that's uh, new and upcoming. And social media is such a landscape that celebrities are really jazzed about it. Like, follow Kate Hudson on Snapchat. She fucking loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, and I think it's like it's an opportunity for them to have another platform to express themselves. That's that's really what social media is all about. And we've gotten a really good response from a lot of celebrities. And the celebrity category in general is a way for us of like, if they're famous, if they're like a Kardashian, they don't necessarily have an official title that fits into our other categories. Best celebrity still really makes sense. And um, yeah. So, uh, you know, do this celebrity, and this kind of might sound stupid, but do the celebrities add legitimacy or does it kind of aggravate some people like on social? Like when I say, when I'm thinking celebrity, I'm thinking, okay, well, is it a social celebrity or is it an actual celebrity? Right. Um, some would say that having real celebrities, like from the shorty award perspective, it's probably cool to have Jimmy Fallon, right. And say like, Oh, we honor Jimmy Fallon, but from social media people's perspective. And, you know, right now I'm playing the role of, you know, really, pissed off guy who didn't win an award how does you know how do i not become a or how do i then become in one of the uh, somebody to win one of those categories well i mean for us you know uh, the word celebrity is, is a very broad term for us. So a YouTuber or a Viner or a Snapchatter is as much a celebrity to us as the Jimmy Fallon's of the world. Oh, because we, okay. we really feel like the people who are producing, Oh, sorry. Oh, it's um, what happens. <laughs> we really feel like people who are, you know, doing really cool things on the internet deserve to be recognized for that. And it could be people who have been around for years who, you know, come up the traditional way and are an actor or comedian, or it could be someone who uh, is a homegrown Snapchat celebrity and they really built a name for themselves on Snapchat. And we want to recognize both of them and kind of put them on the same platform. You know, we never want it to seem like it's an award show that's honoring celebrities who write funny tweets. It's it's more about an award show honoring people on the internet who are doing really cool things. Which award would you say is like the number one like, takes the bacon, you know, like best film of the year is kind of like this, the award, you know, at Sarah, whatever ceremony that I don't even know award shows. Sorry. Which one would you yeah. say is like that big award at the shorty awards? The we have a yeah, we have a couple tentpole categories that are tied to platforms. So we have is like that what it's called tentpole. Yeah, cool. yeah. So I just learned like, something. Uh, <laughs> you know, like our YouTube categories, we split them out across like YouTube comedian, YouTube ensemble, YouTube guru, which is like the beauty bloggers of the world. And then we have YouTuber of the year. And it can be someone who fits into one of those more niche categories, but is more of like, you know, a big the big wig of the YouTube world. And we have Snapchatter of the year, Instagrammer of the year, Viner of the year. So it's kind of the ones that are tied to the platforms that are really big. 
Uh, Casey Neistat won this year, which is awesome for you, mm-hmm. YouTuber of the year. And f- at least from my perspective, it looked like it was the the biggest tent pole award. I don't know. That was really cool. It was just like, I, I, I watch Casey all the time. So for me, it, oh, yeah, me too. who was your favorite this year of all the I winners? Mean, Casey's definitely up there because like he presented at the shorties last year and it was like one of the first days he... Like he had just started vlogging, you know, he celebrated his year a couple weeks ago. Uh, So he was still kind of new to the YouTube world. And one of my colleagues, Nick Allier, uh, has been a huge fan of him forever and asked him to present. And he was super into it, of course, because he's such a badass. (laughs) And uh, so it's kind of funny to like see it come full circle. You know, I started following the vlog after he presented last year and to see it grow. You know, we saw him at VidCon. We saw Beam launch. Uh, You know, seeing everything happen was really, really cool. Um, and then to kind of see it end with him winning was, uh, was really awesome. I think Snapchatter of the year was also really exciting. DJ Khaled, uh, was the winner for that category and he showed up and, you know, produced a ton of snaps and was hilarious. So that's really cool. So DJ Khaled showed up is, is now you said MC Hammer showed up the first year ever. Um, it was, is DJ Khaled like the, I don't know, for lack of a better word, is he with the biggest celebrity that you've had at the shows and what and if not who's been like the biggest name that's actually showed up in person i mean last year we had bill nye which i was like very excited about <laughs> bill nye uh, the science guy yeah is he cool is he like was he oh, just like he was on his show oh yeah and he loves taking selfies so if anyone ever meets him in real life ask for a selfie he's all about it um and when he he won best in science last year and when he won everyone started chanting bill 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 <laughs> Uh, and he like took us off in the whole crowd. It was really great. Um, no, I mean, we've had a ton of really cool people show and a lot of really cool people participate who weren't able to make it out to the show. Uh, so we've been really fortunate and, you know, we have high hopes that as social media grows and, and the show grows that the people who come out will grow as well. So there's another award show called the Webbies, right? Or something mm-hmm. similar. I don't know the difference. Can you explain to the viewers? To yeah. The viewers? To the listeners, what is the difference and why should either one carry what weight? Yeah. Uh, if that so makes the any is, sense, what I just said. We're very similar. So we're the best in social media. So across, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Vine, all of that. The Webbies are the best of the internet. Um, and similar to how we have a brand competition where brands are paying to enter their social media campaigns, that's basically all the Webbies is, is brands are paying to enter their internet uh, you know, campaigns or apps or things like that. So they don't have so much of the celebrity show that we have, but it's, you know, it's very much in kind of the same worlds because they're the overarching internet. We're the best of social media. That makes perfect sense. Now, now I understand the difference. Um, all right, this is off of the shorties more like I'll talk to Megan a little bit here. What, uh, what has been your favorite campaign? Like, let's forget the celebrities and all that stuff. What has been your favorite campaign that you've seen over the few years you've been at shorties but even before that what's been your favorite either brand campaign or or anything just anything that you've seen what's what's a couple of the coolest ones yeah this year um ad council i hope i don't mess this up but ad council had a really cool campaign i believe called love has no labels Mm -hmm. and it was you know this entire campaign of exactly that like love can look any certain way and it was um people dancing behind this like x-ray machine Mm -hmm. uh and you know you couldn't tell it just looked like skeletons and then they come out from behind and it's like two women or you know a woman and a man or a woman and her child and uh it was 
just a really yeah, uh, different races different yeah, yeah exactly. that was a that was a really fun one um yeah and I, then youtube rewind always does this or youtube always does this really cool video at the end of the year called youtube rewind where they you know bring out all the big youtubers and make this kind of big lip sync video and they did a version of that where they had people dancing behind the kind of x-ray machine so that was cool to see that happen that's pretty cool uh what about what's your best one like ever that you've ever seen what's your favorite forget about best what's your favorite i mean i if you remember what was it like hrc had that red facebook picture mm-hmm. that just went viral everywhere they won a shorty word for that when that happened and uh you know that was really cool to see i we don't have like specific Facebook categories on the influencer side, but we do on the brand side. And it's always interesting to see how brands are still utilizing Facebook in a really interesting way. Cause I think like, you know, some people turn their nose down to Facebook, but it still has the potential for things to go really, really viral. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing it now with videos and, you know, back then HRC did it with profile pictures. So it was really interesting yeah. to kind of see that evolution. Yeah. Facebook. Uh, I mean, we can jump, we can change gears a little bit. I mean, Facebook, especially with live video, has, has, uh, and we've talked about this on the podcast often. It's something that I'm a huge proponent of live video, especially Facebook live. And it has given you the opportunity to, I mean, change the game to go from, and if you guys could see my hand, my hands on my desk and now my hands up in the air, but it's given you the opportunity to really move the needle that much. Um, and it's, it's crazy. And like, we're seeing a lot of video now, right? I mean, you guys, a lot of the shorty awards, a lot of it was, was video related, right? I mean, even Snapchat to an extent is, is a video piece. Um, what is your, what are your predictions for next year, the next couple years as to like what we're going to see emerge, what type of content, not necessarily platforms. Cause I mean, that's hard to, to, I mean, that's hard to predict. I can't, I can't say what platforms are going to be out in three years, but what types of content do you think are going to start evolving that we aren't seeing right now? Yeah, well, I think, you know, social media for so long has been about this idea of curation and, you know, like Instagram is such a powerful platform because it's, it's allowing people to really show an interesting glimpse into their lives. But I think people are, uh, starting to crave kind of the unfiltered and the more organic and raw version of that. I think, uh, the sense that social media is curated and a little bit fake is becoming old news and people really want to get a closer glimpse into people's lives. And that's why things like Snapchat and Periscope and Facebook live are really taking off. And like being just relaunched their app, which if, you know, if you don't know is like Casey Neistat's yeah. Like uh, video sharing app and you can't even, you know, review the video. It's really, and it's like, you use the sensor in your phone and it's like filming a, your perspective of your life. And there isn't, you can't even really delete it. Can you? Once I think up? with the new, I think with the new app, you can delete it and you can look okay. at your beats, but it's very much that idea of like share video honestly and share video that's you know a perspective into your life and not totally edited and curated. I think that's that's always going to have a, a world. That's why like Casey's vlog is like a really great edited piece of content. Mm-hmm. People are always going to love that, but I think just to add more uh, variety to it, unedited video is going to start to become really um, a big thing. I think. Yeah, and to talk, I mean, for those that don't know who Casey Nice that is he has one of the most beautifully um just edited vlogs out i mean he's he's by far i don't know any other vlogger that kind of takes it to his level i mean he's just been yeah he just takes it to a whole new it's just it's, it, 
it's out of this world what he does and i mean he is a filmmaker so he ha- obviously it's his background but he's spending something like eight plus hours a day editing his vlog which is ridiculous so for him to come out with beam which is complete other end of the spectrum very short <laughs> unedited you're unable to even really look at it as you're filming really i mean if you're covering the proximity so i'm not obviously you can do it and cover it with your finger or something but for the most part beam is super super raw um there was yeah a- I mean, leave it to casey to be on like both ends of the spectrum where he has the most beautifully edited type of stuff and he really understands that and then seeing the need for the exact opposite <laughs> that's you know and that's why I think he, and I'm, we're going to have a little love fest for Casey, but I think that's why he's so brilliant, right? And that's where so many fail is that they see one side of things. They've got, they've got these blinders on and you kind of look at only your space. And I think that's where a lot of, and I'm, you know, if I'm going to liken this to some of these apps, there's a lot of these apps that have come out, right? And we see them and they focus on one thing and that's all they do. Great. But the creators of those apps don't ever really understand what else is going on out there and they they think that people are only going to use their app the way they've intended it and they forget Mm -hmm. to really pay attention to anything else and i think that's what makes uh, casey so unique is that you know he's sitting there like like we said he's total opposite end of the spectrum and and i think beam will eventually pick up to some extent i think it's got like a pretty nice little cult following and they just picked up android right that was with the new release So, I mean, that'll be really cool to see. Um, speaking of that, I, gotta, I have to find the quote, but it was um, Wendy Clark. She was the former exec at um, Coca-Cola. She made a comment recently about exactly what you just said, where agencies need to focus on this shorter, more raw content as opposed to these big big productions that we've seen like have you ever you've watched mad men before mm-hmm. okay so you know in mad men that's like everything is like this big iconic ad right like everything has to be an iconic ad well it was funny to hear that from arguably one of the most iconic ads ever right coca-cola the mountaintop ad well wendy clark she she used to work for them. She's no longer. I think she's at DDBO in Chicago now. But she said that that's what we're going to be looking for. So, what implications do you think that has on agencies in their current like agencies that are operating right now in the social digital space? How do they have to change? Like, how do you think that they need to to um, to move in order to be relevant still? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing that agencies are starting to figure out is it's less about like the total like eyeballs that you get on something. I don't think that that's like impressions are necessarily as impressive as the engagement. So finding something that people want to engage with or want to share and, and having it be organic. Like I know like call to action is such a big phrase for agencies (laughs) in the social media world, but I think it's one of those things like we're so inundated with stuff constantly and, you know, having that call to action isn't necessarily powerful enough. It's like creating something interesting and captivating enough that people have to share it or have to engage with it and really focusing on the quality of the content and not necessarily on the like trying to get a certain response out of people. It's like just focus on the quality, make something really, really great, and the eyeballs and the engagement will follow. Where, like, so most agencies or most or a lot of brands, like you just said, the impressions aren't a big, you know, big deal. Unfortunately, you know, I'm in this. 
I have an agency and then I deal with brands all the time. And the first thing they say is, well, how many followers? I actually just talked to somebody yesterday and I will not name the, the automaker, but it's a large American automaker that was uh, identifying influencers. And they said, oh, your following's not big enough to, uh, the, and the person had very similar numbers to, to me, like what I personally have. So, and I don't think my numbers are huge by any stretch, but they said those numbers are too small. So when do we break away from that? You know, when do we say, like, how do we change that? Is there a way to say, Hey, you know what? Numbers aren't as important. The follower numbers, not important. Impressions aren't important. It's really about diving deeper into conversation. How do you prove that? How do you even show that that's worthy? Like, They want ROI. Well, how the hell do you prove it? Yeah, it's so tricky because like there, I think are some people and organizations and who are really innovating in social media and who get it. And then there are some who are still stuck in the times of like, how is this going to return in sales or how, you know, like it, it's one of those things that I think it's just over time, people are going to start seeing, uh, the return on just like brand identity and it's not necessarily going to be a return on investment in traditional sense in that like you put up a billboard and you're going to sell a hundred cars. Uh, it's, you know, it's billboards. I think, yeah, it's like some people I think are always going to stick to that notion of like knowing how traditional marketing works. But I think, you know, as more people are making, like as more influencers are making careers out of it and knowing how to like negotiate their deals and knowing how to uh, pitch themselves. And as more brands are starting to see the return on just a quality campaign, not necessarily in terms of numbers, but just in like response and engagement, I think that it'll pick up more and more, but it's definitely a slow moving process in terms of like the needle moving, I think. Um, last serious question, I guess. Serious. Is it in your opinion, and this is, you know, again, you're talking to the listeners here are working for brands, most of them, or their agency owners. Do you feel that brands need to just invest in their own social media departments where they are running and controlling it? Or do you think they should outsource? I mean, I think it depends on the brand and agencies still certainly, uh, provide huge value. And I think something that would be really, if when we're talking about like influencer campaigns, if brands are interested in working in influencers, I think agencies can really play a part in identifying the right influencers, because I think that's something that a lot of brands can miss the mark where like they go for the top YouTubers or the top Viners or whatever it is, the people who just have the big numbers, not necessarily doing a deep dive into their content, into what they're producing. And a lot of influencers these days now are wanting to work with brands and wanting to uh, do really cool partnerships, but don't necessarily want to abandon what they've been doing. They're not necessarily just going to produce a brand campaign just for the dollars. They want to produce something that's authentic to themselves. And I think organic partnerships can happen when you do the due diligence of like knowing who the creators are in the field and knowing what they're all about and seeing if they're a fit for your brand. And I think an agency provides value in that they could do that due diligence and, you know, really find an influencer that makes sense and that would be on board and would be really excited about working together and not necessarily just like throwing money at someone and being like, make us a vine. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think being really <laughs> Make us viral. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the best one, right? <laughs> but I think, you know, like being really intelligent about who you work with because there is not a shortage of creators to work with. That's like all I see every day is like all of these amazing creators who are doing really cool stuff. And that's what we're all about at the Shorty Awards is like putting them on a platform so people can, you know, see what they're doing and see see how awesome they are. Well, when you're not working at the Shorties and producing the 
uh, the actual award ceremony. What's going on over there in New York? Um, I mean, I do a couple things on the side. In general, I just really love the internet, so I spend a lot of time doing that. <laughs> uh, I run a couple of, like meetups. One of them is called Community Managers Meetup, and it's for like social media managers and strategists. And we do events once a month, and uh, it's a really kind of cool way to if if I'm trying to talk to someone at the Shorty Awards and can't really get my foot in the door, mm-hmm. that's another outlet for me to be like, well, I also have this meetup if you want to come speak on speak on a panel or come to one of our happy hours. It's kind of a nice diversion from me asking for something from them. Very uh, cool. And I also run this organization called Women Who Brunch, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's Women Who Brunch together once sounds a month. like a hell of an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's monthly brunch events for, you know, a dozen women who've never met, uh, who want to meet more women in the city and want me and my co-founder, we talk about how we just want to brunch professionally. So that's what we're all about. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to argue with brunch and I wouldn't argue with, you know, yeah, it's a religion doing that monthly. Yeah. For, it sounds like it. I think it's becoming more and more like mainstream brunching, brunching. Yeah. You should totally do it. I would, I would be like a big cheerleader of that happening. That'd be so cool. Um, where can the listeners find you? I'm, I got really lucky in that I chose a screen name that no one else uh, ever goes for. So I have the same one on every platform. It's nice. Megs France, M-E-G-S-F-R-A-N-T-Z. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, Follow I, me I on Snapchat if you want like snarky snaps of me snapping people on the train and stuff like that. I will, um, I'll put all of this in the show notes so you guys can follow Megan. Uh, you can also follow the Shorty Awards. I'll put all those links in the show notes. They're pretty much at Shorty Awards everywhere, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and then, and then make sure that if you're, if your brand or you know somebody that should apply, right? They can apply to at some point. It's around January, but they can apply to mm-hmm. for awards, right? Yeah. On the brand side, you can on enter. The brand side. Okay. Entries for brands open in September. Oh, September. I thought it was January. Cool. All right. So September, there you go. Obviously, she knows better than I do. September, you can enter uh, for that. Megan, thank you so much for hanging out, chatting a little bit today about Shorty Awards and social media in general and and brunch. I actually wish we talked about brunch more, but I don't think people want to hear us talk about food for another half half hour. So, I mean, tweet me and I will give you any brunch suggestion you need. That's like one of my secret skills is finding the perfect restaurant. Okay. How about this? Best brunch double date brunch spot in New York City well I mean I need more information like are you trying to like day drink and, and get your, your drink on or are you trying to like hang out and chill uh, day drink get your day drink on I mean not like not sloppy but you know get the day drink yeah. on yeah and good, food. Of, and good food I mean there's okay there's a really great place that has bottomless mimosas in the East Village called Poco and they'll just like plop a bottle of champagne with like a little smidgen of orange juice in it on your table and walk away and just like keep giving you more bottles of champagne until you're like please stop oh <laughs> uh, so that is and the food is incredible so Poco. that's always a good one where like you can find places that are bottomless brunch and you can just get totally toasted and the food is only alright and then you're just like day drunk the rest of the day and that's called Poco in the East Village Yes. Right, we're going to shout out Poco in the East Village. <laughs> and what it, what would uh, what you say? Give me another spot like for really good food. Not necessarily a day drinking spot, but like just absolutely out of this world food for brunch. Um, I recently went back. I feel like people who are in the brunch scene are maybe going to like turn their nose up because it's a very popular spot. The Smith is always a classic. 
I went back recently and remembered how great the food is. And they have a couple locations and it's one of those places that like you could keep going back and the food never gets old. Well, there you go. Professional brunch suggestions from a professional bruncher. Until tomorrow. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.